Well, good morning, everyone. Great to see your bright, shining faces this morning. Uh, welcome. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Chad White. I have the privilege and honor of filling in for Rob this morning while he is celebrating some time with his family on spring break. And with that, let's delve in here. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Rob gave a definition of sin that really kind of stuck with me. A definition is just real simple. It's separation from God. We can be good people and still be separated from God. We can work hard and do great things and still be alienated from God. There is junk in our lives that separates us from God. And so often we want to hold on to that junk. We think that it'll make us happy or even a little bit better. But it leaves us empty and longing for more. That stuff needs to die. Would you pray with me, please? Father God, I thank you for the opportunity to come together as a community this morning. I thank you for this group of people. Uh, Lord, I ask that your spirit would guide my words this morning, that you would touch hearts and minds and uh, speak clearly and concisely to people. Amen. So we all have things in our lives that need to die or just simply be laid down, forgotten about. Some things are massive weights that we carry around, and some are so small we can hide them at will linger in the shadows. The problem is that we've developed an intimacy with these and a comfort level, all in our sin. We have an attachment because we think we know what to expect. Living with our sin has given us a false sense of control. We think we're running the show in these areas when the truth is the sin is running us. Regardless of the size of these bits and pieces that we're holding on to, sin ultimately separates us from a much happier life in God. We need to put to death all the things and attitudes that are separating us from God. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 16, 24 through 27, and I'll be reading from the New International Version. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with angels, and then he'll reward each person according to what they have done. So what does it mean to deny yourself and pick up your cross? Picking up your cross is a daily commitment to follow Christ and allow him to live through us. We get to deny ourselves in order that God can work through us. An easy way for me to remember this is the statement, I'm third. Simple statement, I'm third. Allow me to explain a little. In order for me to deny myself, my priorities need to be as follows. First and foremost is God. Remember the first two commandments in Exodus? No other gods before me and no idols. We serve a jealous God. He wants all of us, not just the leftovers. When we start with God and not with us, the world is a little easier to deal with. Our first priority should always be our Heavenly Father's business. Second is others. 
I know that sounds a little counterintuitive, and it's definitely countercultural. We live in a me-first society. But God has told us if we want our needs met, serve others. The fun part of this is when we truly serve and are motivated to serve and not to get, our needs are met. Third and finally is me. I do need to take care of myself as well. This is not a get-out-of-jail-free card for shirking my responsibilities or doing, you know, not doing anything. We need to eat, sleep, pay our bills, and be a functioning part of society. But simply remember to put others first. Sounds simple, right? Should be easy-peasy to deny myself and get rid of the sin. But this is a true test of your faith, and it's hard work. I know I have areas in my life that I struggle with on a regular basis. I struggle with my finances because I don't know if I'll have enough to pay my bills at the end of the month. I struggle with anger because as I grew up, that's how I reacted. I have struggles in my life, but what it ultimately boils down to is do I trust God? If I trust God for my needs, I can lay down my desire for more and not worry if I'm going to be provided for. If I trust God for my vindication, I can react in love rather than anger. We ultimately need to believe that God has our best interest in mind. This might be a new way of looking at things, but if you can change your focus from what you want to what God is giving, it starts to get a little easier to lay self aside. Let me say that again. If you can change your focus from what you want to what God is giving you, things get a little easier. If you've never heard this before, please hear it now. God has your best interest in mind. He wants to have a relationship with you. He enjoys your company. The only catch is we need to be an active participant in that relationship. We all need to work in our faith. Faith in Jesus and salvation is a free gift from God and cannot be bought or earned. But once we're saved through Christ, we need to be active in living out our faith. Our lives need to become a walking billboard for Jesus, his saving power. And we need to do it out of love rather than compulsion. Turn with me to James 2, 14 through 24, if you would. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But some will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good, even the demons believe that, and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. 
And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Our faith needs actions. And God has equipped each and every one who calls on his name with spiritual gifts. He gives us these gifts so that we can build each other up in the church. The Bible says we're part of a body, and we need all the parts to function properly. Let me put this into a little perspective of this morning's service. All you may see this morning is me standing up here spewing a lot of words that you really don't want to hear, but you're graciously listening to anyway. So let me add a little more. Earlier this weekend, someone put out signs to invite new people in. Earlier today, someone picked up the truck, trailer, and other miscellaneous paraphernalia from the ministry center. There's a group of people that showed up here at Hayes and unloaded and set up all that stuff. There are people who welcomed you as you entered the building. The wonderful, indispensable people who made coffee and picked up bagels. <laughs> uh, the ushers who handed you a worship folder when you walked through the door, hopefully smiled at you as well. Uh, we were graciously led in worship by a group of people. There are people teaching our kids right now. We have a person doing sound, and he's doing a great job with a new board. We have a person running slides that just magically appear behind me. <laughs> there will be a person in the prayer cove when I finally finish, and I'm sure that I miss someone. What I'm saying is this whole Sunday experience is not just a one-man show. It takes the whole church. One thing you might notice in this list is that not everyone does the same job. We need lots of different gifts and talents to make this work, and everyone brings something to the table. You may have heard me say this before, but it's something I believe strongly in. Everyone, and I mean everyone, brings something to the table. Everyone has something good to offer, and not just here at church either. You have gifts that God has given you to reach and serve others. It may not be easy to find, but it is there. Trust me, I know from personal experience that sarcasm is not a spiritual gift. <laughs> so how do you figure out what this gift is? Simple explanation. Try things. Get out there and do. Experience different aspects of what and who you are. Here at church, you can sign up for different ministries, care, prayer, hospitality, uh, communications, finance, media, outreach, uh, kids, worship, setup, you name it. I know a person I can probably talk to if you really want to be up here. You're not going to be great at each one. We all have different gifts, remember. But find that one that you enjoy and serve there. Make it work. When you're outside of the church, when you're at work, serve to the best of your abilities. Try doing your job in love. Big word, love. And trust me, you can do any job in love, as hard as it may be. Work as if you are working for God himself, because ultimately, you really are. People might look at you a little strange in the beginning, but eventually, they'll start to trust the new you, and it may even make work a little bit fun. Even at home, and my family can attest that I need to work at this one, serve and don't expect to be served. 
even if it's not something you normally do. Cook dinner, do the dishes, clean the house, do something you don't normally do. Remember your third. Coming back to being third brings me to the question of what's my motivation to serve? Am I serving out of obligation or I feel that I have to? If we're serving in order to get, we, know we are no longer third, but we've put ourselves back at the top of the list. We've circumvented others in the number two spot by thinking that we're better than they are, or we're more deserving, that they're only there to serve our needs. We've surpassed God in the number one spot because we're assuming that we know what's best for us. Galatians 1 verse 10 gets to the nuts and bolts of what I'm trying to say. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God, or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So if I'm simply serving for my own benefit, I'm not serving God. These are those bits and pieces that need to die, that we need to lay down. We need to put aside whatever is getting in the way of our relationship with God also known as denying ourselves. It doesn't matter if you see the sin in your life as a huge, insurmountable, huge and insurmountable, or just a little nuisance. I assure you that God is bigger and would like to see you lay it down and put it to death. You may need support in this. You may need support to get you through your sin, and that's okay. We all need help. As humans, we're designed for community and accountability. The world in our sin has lied to us and told us we need to be self-sufficient all of the time. Perhaps it's time you let someone use their gifts to counsel you. This does go two ways, you know. When we get to the point where we can trust God and we're able to lay down our sins and ask for his forgiveness, he'll clean us up and he'll fill us with his spirit. The Holy Spirit will fill up those places that have been emptied when we lay down our burdens and we become new creations. Then we can live in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are those fruits of the Spirit listed in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Imagine if we bring these attributes into our workplaces, if we brought them into our homes, into our lives. How might things change? Who would listen to your story? When we can start to look at the world with a servant's heart, it makes it a little easier to lay down the sin that we're comfortable with and give up control. When we let go of the things that are separating us from God, we can walk in freedom and enjoy that will make us more that will make life more enjoyable dare i say happier i'm going to invite the band to come up behind me i'm doing that pray with me please lord god i thank you for your grace thank you for your your peace and your joy that you've promised to fill us with I ask that those hearing these words today would listen to what you are saying to them, that you would fill them with that peace and that joy. Uh, let those fruits of the Spirit just overflow in their lives, that they would learn to serve you humbly and do it with joy 
and a good heart. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.